Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Buzz from Massive Wagons, and you're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks podcast. Scott, it's the Hook Rocks. It's the Ultimate Rock Me Podcast. I am back. I needed a little bit of a break. So after uh, we did the new music spotlight with Clay Dieters from the band The Issue, who just released a great EP, Wasted Life. Go check that out. I needed to take some time off. I had some uh, real life uh, busyness to attend to. Nothing serious, nothing negative, but just uh, had to take care of some things. So I did that. So I decided to uh, take my summer break, and that was last week. But I'm glad to be back in the swing of things. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. So check out my friends. As I always mention, Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Great podcast. is becoming one of my favorites to listen to. Shout out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Awesome podcast. Um, those guys are absolutely fantastic. Number one rated kiss podcast in the galaxy. Carmen Peace and Vinny Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast with Chicago promoter Ron and Esty. Martin Popoff, the rock historian. Mistress Carrie out in Boston and Chris and Aaron over on Decibel Geek. They're gearing up for their rock and pod festival in Nashville come April. So I'm looking forward to having them on the show and talking about that and getting down there too as well. Always a great time every time I visit Nashville, which I was able to do over Memorial Day weekend. So that was always a grand time. 
Don't forget to follow the Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts. We're on all podcast platforms, so give us a listen. And don't forget to download the uh, the podcast, the automatic download. So whenever we drop a new episode, you have it right to your phone. You can listen to it on your commute when you're doing chores over the weekend, when you're cutting your grass, whenever. So uh, please do that as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Hook Rocks as well as Facebook and now Instagram. Finally decided to get my ass in gear and join Instagram, although I got to be a little bit more active, to be honest. So I'm uh, trying to get in a routine there, and hopefully that will happen. We had some great episodes over the last couple of months. Like I said, we just did Clay Dieters on the New Music Spotlight. We also did our 400th episode, too, as well, with members of the Groove Council. Uh, Great people that I've met online, and some of them I've actually met in person. Um, so that was always a, a, a good episode to do. I was planning on doing that. It's hard to get everybody with the, t- you know, the time and the schedule and the, and the actually the time difference, uh, to get on there. But we got uh, a good number of guys to so check that out. We talk music as we always do on our DMs and Twitter. So that was exciting. Don't forget to also check out our three year anniversary episode with Stephen Piercy. That uh, was uh, a fantastic guest, a fantastic episode with him. Got some great things coming up here in the next month or so. We've got our live album review with Rob in the Hood. We'll be doing UFO, Strangers in the Night. The episode we just did with Kiss Alive last quarter was a, was a huge, huge success. And uh, some other episodes, too, as, as well. So watch, be on the lookout for all of that. And... Like I said, getting back in the swing of things. It's been a while since my latest guest has been on the podcast. And it's been too long. Been way too long because she's a great contributor. And as I've always said, there is no one in the music podcast land that knows the music business as well as my next guest. She's always well-researched. She knows her shit. And I will tell you right now, any other podcasters listening out there, you need to have her on your show. So, cause she's great. Your audience will love her and she really does bring a great perspective. And that person is a member of the Groove Council and it's Christy and Eagle. What's happening, Christy? How are you? Hi, Jay. Well, I'm blushing. Um, thank you very much for. The kind words. I really appreciate it. And uh, before we get going, congratulations. You have busted your ass for the last three and a half years, something like that. A little you know, over three four, years. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Three years. Yeah. But a little over three years and 400 episodes in three years. I mean, people do the math. This boy is busy. So thank yeah. you for all your great podcasts. And if you guys want, you're looking for some new music, hit his new music spotlights. Uh, they're incredible. You're going to find somebody you like. So Go back in the archive and check them out. Thank you very much. You know, we we have become what I, I really dreamed about with the podcast. We've come, become a place for new bands to introduce themselves to an audience, listeners. Um, I, I love doing that. And it's, it's with a lot of pride and a lot of uh, being proud of being that platform for a lot of new bands and continuing to do that um, is not negotiable. It will always happen. It will always be the core part of this show. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate that uh, shout out and 
you know, I've only not had a few bands that I want to have on, and hopefully at some point we'll have them on or a member of those bands. But like I, like Christy said, I'm always working hard, always trying to get great guests on the show. And um, got lots to talk about here with you. Oh, my God. Where do you want so, to start? Well, I have a little breakdown of what I've been uh, uh, <clears throat> investigating. And I'm not even going to get into May, June. Uh, April, May, or June. I am going to focus on July. And even though we're moving into August now, July was so busy. So I've got a little review of the NAM show. I have some breaking news. I have a tip, a hot tip for all you new bands out there that are listening. And I have some updates. I have two major updates to go over. Awesome. That's let's a lot. Get, let's so get started. Happening. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about NAM. NAM came back in person this year and instead of January, it was in June and it was hotter than hell in Anaheim. I'll say that in the middle of June. Um, but I don't know if you guys, um, know what NAM is, the National Association of Music Merchandisers. And they've been around since, uh, 1901 when they started, uh, with piano distributors and they started doing trade shows on, a, on the early days or, uh, in Chicago. And then and, um, they uh, came out to uh, Anaheim. They returned to Anaheim. Well, I'm sorry. They came in 1980. They left. They came back in 2000. And they got incorporated in 2006. And in 2011, they added colleges and musicians. 2016, NAM in Anaheim was the highest attendance uh, to that point at 100,000. And 2020 was the one right before COVID. So the one where everybody did get the Wuhan flu, by the way, myself included. Um, 2020 was the largest show yet. And they say there was 115,000 attendees. So I have to disclose that my brother, uh, Rick LaSalle, who's a writer for Substack, by the way, um, he was the catering sales manager for Anaheim Convention Center for a very long time. And NAM was his show. He told me 150,000 people were there and I was there. And quite frankly, it seemed like it was more than 150,000. I don't know if anybody's listening and they were at that NAM show, but it was a straight out Bacchanal. I have never in my life seen so many people partying and drinking and, and the Hilton hotel at three in the morning, people were having fun in the bushes and there was music. I mean, it was just nuts. All the big guys were there, marshals and everybody. And it was just a, a huge party. Now, this past year, they allowed the general public to mm-hmm. be a part of it because if, if people don't know, it's usually only open to an invite or vendors or contracted musicians, people that work for studios. Uh, so this year was open. Anyone could have gone. Right. And um, it was much smaller this year. The first year I was, I mean, the first day I was kind of in shock. Usually they have a lot of things the evenings before and there were, they have, she rocks was there, but I didn't really see a whole lot of activity leading up to it. I think a lot of it was still COVID related. They didn't want to pack a lot of people in a lot of venues. Um, but I got there and it was, I spent all day looking for the Marshall and the Gibson, uh, booths and, um, only to find out I actually had to call my brother. He's no longer the catering manager um, after the COVID thing. Um, and I said, where's everybody? And he goes, well, they pulled out in 2019, actually. And my, my brother convinced him to go one more year. 
but all Fender and all the big guys, they just kind of made a decision back then that, you know, it's not really that necessary for them anymore to go to NAM because that, you know, and it, for me, I loved their booths because they had stages and that's where you could hear really cool and interesting bands, you know, that they sponsored. So after the first day of just kind of being in shock, the next day I ended up running into all kinds of friends. And for some reason, NAM kind of transformed itself. Everybody kind of clicked at the same time. And it was like, oh, this is going to be more of a networking event this year. It's going to be more of a reconnecting with our friends and people we haven't seen in a long time and having more conversations rather than the Bacchanal and the drinking fest that it was in 2020. And to me, it seemed like there was less live music, um, but that opened up other spaces. It opened up other opportunities. And I actually, at the end, it was the best name I've been to. And, and I was sober this year too. So it probably has something to do with it. A lot of people were too. I saw so much less drinking, so much less partying and so much more like talking and having conversations. And it, it was a completely different vibe. And I think NAM is getting back to um, its roots of like musical education and getting music out into the community. So the bands that were there and the musicians and the groups that they had, they had a lot of um, youth groups and they had um, a lot of groups that were, um, I would say, retired people who, you know, have bands and what have you. And it was interesting and different. I liked it. Well, I think that's an important piece, music education. Because yeah. we've talked about this on the show in different episodes about the lack of music education in public schools these days. Absolutely. And I think it really does hinder the perspective of someone who's young that they don't understand organic music, how to make music, music played on instruments. I mean, I remember growing up, I went to a private school. And we had music appreciation once a week and we would study classical music into jazz. We we studied Gregorian chant. We studied (laughs) blues, folk music, um, whatever it was. And we also studied the instruments, right? Like, you know, the, the, with a saxophone or a trumpet, the horn section, as you will, drums, guitar, piano, violin, whatever it was. And you understood that when you're hearing music, those are instruments being played where, you know, I, I, I will bring off, bring up this off the record conversation with someone that um, I won't say their name. Uh, well, actually, well, no, I'm, I, I don't know if it was, I don't know if he said it on my episode. In case he didn't, I won't mention his name. I think he may have said on the episode, so it might be okay. But um, he was writing music in Nashville and for a country artist. And he brought his guitar. He went to the session, opened up his guitar case, gets his guitar, and he looks around. Everybody's got laptops. Uh-huh. And there's a guy they call the beat guy. And they're writing music from samples on their computer. That's how this artist was doing it and the person who I had on the show was like, Hey man, I, you know, you, you want to write music. I'll, I'll, we can, we can, I can show you some riffs, but that's how I don't write stuff through a computer. We don't write stuff through a computer. It's all organic. 
So when you talk about music education and we talk about the music that's out there now, right? Everything's sampled. Everything's got these, these fake beats and it's really, there's no instrumentation being played in this music. I don't, it's not the only definitive reason. It's not the reason why, but it's definitely a huge influence and impact on why music is the way it is today. Because kids don't understand, number one, the instruments that are being played, and two, the work that goes be behind it, right? I mean, I've, I've had conversations with people on social media who want to claim a guy making beats is playing is 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 like playing an instrument it's not because here is the core of that argument he's taking music that's already been made by someone else who played the instruments and sampling it now anyone can cut tape or cut up a sample and put that sample in there and if you work hard enough at it some people are going to be better at it than that but that's not an instrument it's not it's a it's a tool used to replicate an instrument yeah understand the difference yeah so i was really happy in light of what you just said to see that nam is really focusing on education of music and extending it to schools and um getting instruments to uh underserved communities and um really kind of shifting the focus away. And I don't know, maybe it was COVID. Maybe everybody had a chance. Maybe it is the big reset or whatever, where we had a chance to think, wow, what's really important, you know, is like going to NAM and like getting trashed and having a three day, a four day Bacchanal really the point, you know, or is there something that we're missing? And it, it felt to me like they found that missing piece. And, and I, I think collectively we all kind of went, ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. This, this is good, you know? And so I, I think people really understand the importance of, of music education because I don't know, do we all want to listen to <laughs> music made in Nashville on laptop computers? I don't, not necessarily. I, I'd like to hear real instruments and hopefully younger we can get instruments in you know the sooner into young kids hands the better right in my opinion absolutely and it's a shame that big guys like fender gibson and whoever aren't going to be a part of that because they should yeah exactly because if you hook a young kid on guitar or if you hook a young kid on drums as you as as they get older they're going to have disposable income they're going to have and it's important for them to be a part of it. And hopefully yeah. they rethink their participation in NAM. You know, I, I know it's difficult for, you know, a company like Fender and Gibson to have these booths and to have people general admission coming up and kind of kicking tires. You know, yeah. I think that's the frust- I think that's a frustrating part for them, you know, um, and hopefully they can find that balance somehow, some way. And hopefully, you know, I'd like to see Nam go back to that that tool of vendors and musicians and studio guys, and then not make a general mission, but also add in, you know, 
schools and kids coming on, on buses and, 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 and having an area or a platform for them to discover and then to, to, to get educated. I think that's an important, and hopefully they can find that balance and do that. I totally agree. And, you know, I mean, I'm still disappointed that they weren't there. I mean, the thing about that is those booths were fantastic. And now I realize that they're expensive and probably the prices went up. Um, but their ability to showcase their particular sponsorees, you know, I mean, you know, you go there. I did run into Jared James Nichols. He was uh, playing and having a great time and running around. And I had breakfast with Skunk Baxter because I, this is the kind of event it was. I was at the Hilton and they're like, it's 20 minute wait for one person. And I said, well, how I turned around, there's two people standing behind me. And I said, well, how long is the wait breakfast for like three people? And she goes, I can see you right now. So I turned around to the old cat behind me and the pretty young girl. And I go, Hey, you guys want to join me for breakfast? We grab a table. And they're like, sure. So anyway, about halfway through the meal, I realized I was having breakfast with Skunk Baxter. And then the girl was absolutely fabulous. She was the rep from Seymour Duncan. So it was organic and we got to meet people all over the place. So it was really great. However, I, you're, you're right because they're missing opportunities that they won't get back. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, hopefully they revisit, like I said, or rethink their decision and they do come back. I know from what I've heard, NAM is going to be in April of next year. Um, I know there were a lot of musicians disappointing because, because they did have it during touring season, you know, so. Yes, they did. You know, which I, which I, you know, don't understand that decision. Um, and that may have played into why Gibson and Fender, because maybe they couldn't get their, you know, their musicians to commit because they were all on tour. You know, maybe that was the reason. So I, I think this is going to continue to evolve. Uh, I yeah. think it's going to evolve into a positive way. And, you know, in the next few years, I think it's going to come out and I think it's going to be better and I think it's going to be different. But I think NAM needs those those big guns to really they really want to push music education. And Gibson and Fender are really interested in that part of that that aspect of the show. I think um, it's a positive for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see them come back. Drum World wasn't there. Um, Paul reads, I mean, I, the list was so long when I called my brother, I was yelling. I'm like, where are all these? And I looked like 19 people, you know, 19 vendors. And, you know, uh, hopefully some of them figure it out and come back. I would like to see Fender and Marshall for sure. I think they should be there. I mean, just because they are and Gibson because of who they are and what they represent. So. So that's my NAM review. And so I guess uh, the jury is out till next year. We're going to do it, like you said, in April. It'll hopefully be cooler. Um, and then in 2024, it goes back to its regularly scheduled January slot. So it should be interesting. Okay, now for breaking news. Um, I have on my glasses if I can read my own writing, my own handwriting. Um, so breaking news, music publisher pulls 700,000 songs author from their their 700,000 song catalog from Facebook and IG and in that catalog was Paul McCartney, Lord, Foo Fighters, Beck, many 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 more. They failed to come to terms on royalties and the music publisher is Cobalt. 
And they have 40% of the top 100 tracks in the U.S. and the U.K. on the charts at any given time. Pull them. However, they did uh, release something that said that they're still working um, with Zuckerberg. I'm sorry, Meta, whatever he's calling himself now. That they are really working towards coming to a um, reasonable rate for the royalties and i'm sure that they both have very different ideas on what a reasonable rate is so uh it's to be seen what happens with that but that's a lot and you know that music that they have on ig and facebook uh, one of the primary uses is they have this thing called you know mixing you can grab a reel and grab music and make your own, put your own music to your own reel and send it out there, you know. And their models are very much moving towards reels and stories and the short form, 40 second, 50 second, one minute little posts. Um, how the audience is going to respond to finding out that most of the music that they want to use on the reels isn't available and there'll be, you know, copyright violations. It's to be seen, you know. Um, it's, you know, and I'm not going to talk about TikTok, but TikTok is in the background and there's some, uh, stuff brewing with that, like legislators saying that Americans should immediately delete TikTok as it is owned by ByteDance or DanceByte, which is owned by the CCP, the communist China, Chinese communist party. So there's a lot of things going on tic- behind the scenes with TikTok. However, the result of TikTok's powerful dominance is that all the other streaming and video services want to follow their model. And so you see them going more and more down that road, uh, the, the TikTokization of social media, right? So Cobalt says that they're always, they've always stood for songwriters first and they're going to stand by them and remain um, committed to reaching an agreement. So we will see what happens. I mean, that was pretty big news. That is a huge catalog of music. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, because it also kind of coupled with the fact, I think it was in June, that the decision in the UK, because remember the streaming services proposed one of the lowest um, yeah. revenue rights yeah. for, for music, and the UK court declined it. Yeah. Um, which was, which was a huge step. So where that goes, I don't know if that's still, I think they reverted back to what the current, um, fees are, which are still way low to begin with. Oh yeah. But it's interesting to see where that goes coupled with now this Facebook. I mean, Facebook is the biggest player in social media. Uh, they own Instagram. They, um, they are bigger. I mean, you know, the hook rocks is slowly converting you know, itself into Instagram and Facebook because most of the bands, when you look at the followers of the bands on Twitter versus Facebook and Instagram, I mean, Facebook and Instagram dwarf what Twitter is. And with all the controversy with Twitter, who owns Twitter now? Is Elon Musk going to be buying it? What's going to happen? A lot of bands are not really using it consistently. They're going after Instagram and Facebook, and some are going after TikTok. Although 
I think some artists kind of take a break and do it in spurts on TikTok. I don't think they're a lot of them are consistent, but like you said, there's some legislative issues with TikTok. TikTok may not be here a year from now. It may not. I actually deleted it. I had an account. I think I made one post, but yeah. I heard, um, I can't remember the legislators on YouTube. It was a video. I just caught like the last of it. And he's like, listen, TikTok is a data gathering service. That's it. They're, they're getting all this demo, free demo information about your kids and what they like and what they can sell to them and how they can track them. And, and he's like, it is not private. It is no. really a threat and a danger to especially young Americans who are just uh, absorbed by this TikTok app. So didn't I just see a, read an article? I think it was in Australia where these young kids were developing this, these like ticks from too much social media. Jesus. Like they were, like they were twitching. They were like, like a, like a, like a nervous tick or whatever. Oh my God. Um, you know, and, and for those that haven't seen the documentary, what's it called? Um, the social uh, network dilemma. Yeah. The social, the social network or, so, or social yeah. dilemma. You know, it's yeah. pretty scary how, unknowingly we are being controlled and huh. I, I don't want to go down the conspiratorial, you know, valley of, of what's happening. But like you said, you know, they're gathering information on you. They're, they're tracking where you go. They're tracking what websites you visit, where, where you shop, what you do, your habits. And, you know, that's why you're, that's like why when you're like, Typing something on your computer, and then all of a sudden you go on your phone, and yeah. inf- like like similar information shows up, and it's like, wow, how do they know, you know, mm-hmm. what what uh, what I was typing or what I was thinking? That's that's what they're doing. So they're they're selling your information. Mm-hmm. That is their business model. You yeah. are the product. Your data is the product. Now, and they're selling it instantly. I had to look up something like. Um, uh, a part for a motorcycle or something. Oh my God. It's a, I am being tracked on every single platform I have on motorcycle parts. I was yeah. just looking something up for a friend. I don't have a motorcycle. Uh, I was like, and I, and it, and it just, you can't get rid of it. And it happens instantly. And so the, the fat is so it's AI and it's instant. The minute you sign up or search for something, that information is packaged into small little packs and sold mm-hmm. the highest bidder. So, you know, every next time you get on TikTok, just know that that's what, what is that really happening. And it's happening on every site. It's not right. just TikTok. But TikTok just happens to be owned by China. Know, right. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. if a year from now, TikTok no longer exists or, you know, the major platforms like Apple and Google don't carry the app on their platform. And there you go. they're, they're, they're the two biggest. Yeah. So, and then do you want to download something on a computer that hasn't been vetted by Apple or Google? You know, you don't know what you're putting on your phone. You don't know what you're putting, you, you know, whatever, you don't know what you're putting on your computer where, however yeah. you use it. Um, so it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see where this all goes. Absolutely. 
So we're going to stay with uh, Facebook here and we're going to do a tip. So apparently uh, the natives are restless because Facebook uh, made some major changes and they have two feeds now. One is the main feed and that is an AI feed by Facebook based on things that they think you'll like. We were just discussing. And the number two feed is um, your feeds tab. And that's where the people that you follow and your family and your friends and the groups you like and the bands you like, all your uh, pages and stuff, that's where that is. But it's a separate tab. So if you just go on, log on to Facebook, and you see your feed is packed full of shit that you're like, what? why am I seeing? I don't like this per What is going on? And this is none of my stuff. You have to go dig around and find the other feed to find the ones that you've curated, right? So this is really detrimental to especially all those bands that we were mentioning that use uh, Facebook as their primary means of communication, especially to all their fans that are spread out worldwide. Now their fans don't know where to find them, where it is. It's hard to get to. They've really put a barrier up. Right. So the tip is, uh, this is going to go straight back to the short form TikTok video, is to fight back is you have to post vertical reels. So the way now to reach your audience is through the reels function. Um, and if it's your own music, well, and you own the copyright, then you're, you're set. Right. Um, so that's one way you can fight back. Is just completely take advantage of that. And then, and then put posts, go to your feed section, tell the people where to go. Number two is that you can collect email addresses. It has not been owned by a third party vendor yet. So you might want to jump on that. All those um, fans that you've been working so hard to uh, build a fan base with, they have provided their emails to you and there is nothing that is legally legally prohibiting you from collecting those email addresses and reaching out to your fan base directly. And you can get things like MailChimp or Constant Contact to help you with that. And uh, Bands in Town. Bands in Town is one of the platforms that you really actually can interact and, and direct message and sell merch and all kinds of other stuff. Um, um, you know, maybe it's a, you migrate people off your Facebook over to bands in town, or maybe you have a Patreon and you migrate people there because Facebook is making it really, really, really difficult for you to stay in contact with your fan base now. Mm. Uh, there's been some uproar over this and, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Another update, uh, another tip is um, YouTube is making it easier and easier to do shorts. And as you can tell, most of my news is kind of directed towards the short form video. So, you know, this has been a big change from when we started talking all those years ago uh, that this is really where the market is moving. Um, what YouTube is doing is making it very easy for you now to turn your long form videos into a short that you can just edit and clip right from their uh, manager, their YouTube manager function. So you can have an existing five minute video. Now you can pull a 60 second short out of it and um, go for it. And it turns out that YouTube shorts, uh, they've got 1.5 billion viewers of that. And that beats TikTok by half a billion. So 
shorts on YouTube are actually doing better than TikTok. So now is your opportunity to close that TikTok account and migrate everybody off Facebook uh, onto Bands in Town or another platform and really take full advantage of YouTube. You know, because if you don't, you're going to really have a hard time reaching your fans. So now not only are you writing the music and booking the gigs and driving the van, now you've got to worry about like, God, are we getting out enough reels on YouTube? <laughs> are we, uh, what? So the cool thing is if you've got somebody in your crew who can just shoot video for you and put up some five minute videos, they're making it easier for you to do that. So um, my strong recommendation is to take advantage of it. Wow, that is. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to be harder and harder to find you. That's major. I know. It's, yeah. This is a major shit that's going on, you know. And bands, and the thing is, like, if you're a young band and you're trying to figure things out, and you're paying the rent, and you get gas is ridiculous, and you got merch to order, and so, and you know, the one thing that you could kind of rely on is you could log on Facebook, or you could, you know, reach out to your fans and tell them, "Hey, we're doing this or that." Well, they just put a whole bunch of barriers in your way. So now you have to navigate and almost have somebody who is doing research in social media and knows how to take advantage of it. Because the one thing you need is your fan base. Have they said why they're doing that? They don't give a fuck. No, oh, Facebook, Facebook, say that? Facebook they is say not. That. No, I mean, if you, if you ever try to contact customer service on yeah. Facebook, good yeah. fucking luck. They, they do not give a They don't have fuck. any customer service. They don't care. No. It's it's an algorithm. They they do say the the main feed now, your main feed is AI driven by Facebook um for things they think you will like. That's their press release. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I was having an issue because Facebook started having a platform for podcasts. So you can put your podcast episodes on Facebook. And I was having difficulty getting my 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 podcast on Facebook, you know, where you could they, you could play. They had a podcast player, and literally, I spent weeks trying to figure it out. There was no one to contact. So then I joined these Twitter Facebook groups, and they're all scammers. They're like they would DM me, or they would DM me. Yeah, I really want to help you. I'm like, I work for Facebook. You know, oh, you know what? I need software to help you. Can you Venmo me or PayPal me 150 bucks? I obviously didn't do that. But anybody that does that, you will be in the same place you were a half hour ago. And that guy will be gone. And he's got $150 of your money. I was going to say, your pocket will be a little bit lighter. Right. But the whole, but the whole <laughs> rationale that I'm trying to convey is... Facebook is setting people up for being scammed because of that. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, oh, yeah. they they don't have a hub, they don't have a platform where you can go help and even just chat with someone. You know, I come from the from the generation as you you know talk to someone on the phone. I'm fine with chatting with someone and going back and forth. But the frustrating part is like when you open up a chat, it's a bot answer. Oh yeah. They give you like four different options, and then like you yeah. think you're. You think this one is the right option, and then you just go down this rabbit hole, and like you're not, you're like back at square one in like ten minutes. It's it's Facebook is the most frustrating platform 
Oh, I haven't really gone for help on other platforms, but Facebook is, is horrible. Is horrible. Bullshit. So you just have to remember this is their official release. Uh, AI driven by Facebook. It's on. It's fucking it's, crazy. It's artificial intelligence is running Facebook. They don't, uh, you know. So, you know, for all you new bands out there that are listening or anybody who's listening who's trying to use social media to promote yourself, man, really do your research. Know what, know what you're up against because you might find yourself promoting gigs and it's not reaching anybody. Yeah. You know, you've really got to go. They change it. They don't announce it. There's nobody to call. There's no hub. There's no infrastructure supporting you. There's nothing. All they're doing is collecting data and selling it to the highest bidder instantaneously. It's a computer program. So there's your Skynet right there. Well, that is, uh, like, like I said, it, it's, um, it's not going to get any better. It's just going to be more of a challenge. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it, again, it's, it just makes things yeah. difficult for the bands that are grinding it out and yeah. that don't have the, you know, the, the, the support like a ACDC or Metallica that can hire someone to figure it out and yeah. are kind of left on their own. But you know, for anyone that's listening, look up that bands in town because that could really yeah. be valuable. And if more people migrate, we've had a lot of conversations about the power of numbers, right? Yeah. And and maybe we haven't said it before when we've had these conversations, but understand the the power you have if if people come together. There's a lot of emerging rock bands on the scene today, some at different levels than others, but there's no reason why a, you can't try to communicate with a band that maybe the next level up or two levels up from you, depending on how you define it. And for those bands to respond, because it's almost like unionizing without unionizing. Right. I mean, if you, if you come together and, you know, cause Basically, Facebook is like Walmart. <laughs> Basically, they Walmart comes into a town. They get all the tax breaks from the local village and the county. And they're in there. And they low-cut all the prices. And then, boom, all these mom-and-pop places are out of business. Now, if all those mom-and-pop places came to a collective and had that purchasing power that they could go to these vendors and, and demand lower prices because there's strength in numbers. Maybe things will be different. I don't know. Um, but it's the same kind of thought process with Facebook. Facebook is that Walmart. They come in, they get you to use their platform. They get you addicted to their platform. You rely on it for communication, for growing your fan base. And then boom, they throw a curve. You got to adapt to. Then when you get used to that, they throw another curve and you're constantly chasing. Right. You're chasing that carrot. Yeah. So if you get together with all these bands that are out there grinding it out and they go to bands in town, say, hey, what we've got 200 bands on this collective. What Mm -hmm. can you do for us? What can we do to make bands in town have a better presence or more of a presence? And how could, and, and, or you can go to these social media whatever companies that help you run social media. And if you've got a bunch of bands behind, you've got 10 bands 
12 bands, 50 bands, 100 bands. You say, hey, listen, it's not just me. It's all these guys behind me, these guys and gals behind me that are with me. What can you do for all of us to help us stay up to date on the algorithms and the changes on social media? Yeah, absolutely. It's just uh, one, a thought. It, well, one recommendation I'll make is that if you want to, uh, anybody listening want to follow um, the latest music news, it'd be really helpful. It's a blog called Hypebot, H-Y-P-E-B-O-T. And they link to tons and tons of information. And, you know, you should probably dedicate somebody in your band or somebody in the team that just keeps their eye on it. And, you know, like if you can catch this at the beginning and go, oh, now, okay, we have to adjust, right? And rather than like not be paying any attention, because like you said, they do it overnight. Don't tell anybody. It's like, you know, all of a sudden, even the next day is completely different. But if you have somebody in your camp who can just read a blog, you know, every few days, they, it might give you an advantage. I mean, it's just really hard to keep up. Like I said, this, all this shit just happened in July. I can't even go back three months because so many things happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's so fast. And these executives are making decisions. A lot, a lot of them are made by artificial intelligence. So, so let me catch you up on a few updates here. The uh, lawsuit with Spotify, July 1st, the Copyright Royalty Board, the CRB, won and maintained its decision to increase the um, headline writer rate paid to songwriters in the U.S. uh, for on-demand streaming services, um, Spotify, (laughs) Um, from the, this was from 2018 to 2022, and they raised it from 10.5 to 15.1. So we had talked about this before. So they won and um, all these streaming services now have to pay and they have to go and retroactively pay um, the people who deserve this money. You know, copyright is the only, um, the music industry is the only industry in the United States that the money is set by the government and by control boards and not the market. Right. So they tried to use it to their advantage and they lost. And I, for one, even though it's a very small increase, in my opinion, they were woefully underpaid because without songwriters, there is no product for anybody to sell or make money off of or stream. So um, but that they won. And now they have to go back to the table and negotiate the next four or five years. So um, hopefully. You know, wouldn't it be nice to see it go up to uh, 20? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It would be nice if people knew that they weren't getting ripped off every day, that their music's getting, you know, millions of streams and they're getting, you know, 15.1 now. (laughs) Well, at least 2018 to 22. So, and that you have to negotiate it every four years with all these organizations, you know? It's it's just another curveball. So uh, if you've got copyrights out there, you know you've really got to understand what they mean and how you're getting paid and how streaming services are making money off of you. I, Daniel Eck is the owner of Spotify. We discussed him. He is a multi-billionaire who puts his money back into the tech industry, not the music industry, and he does it in, not in the United States. So. That's uh, what all your hard work is going to support. So now we have um, an update on SoundCloud. 
So I remember one of our last conversations and the one before it was a SoundCloud is going to a fan and it's called um, a fan powered royalty rate where instead of pro rata, where all the money's going into a pool and then the person, uh, Beyonce or Bieber or whatever, they get the most plays, they get the most money, right? Pro rata, which is really unfair. Um, in my opinion, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great music out there and they should, they don't need to get the lion's share of the money. So SoundCloud has moved to this particular uh, pay model and apparently it's working because Warner Music Group is now in a licensing deal with them and they're going to be out on SoundCloud and they're going to be putting all of their artists up for the fan-based royalty model now. So until then, the only people behind this new pay model has been SoundCloud and they never backed off from it. And they, you know, if you're out there working again, building your fan base and getting a lot of subscribers, you know, you can do all right on SoundCloud. And the question was, is it going to work? Well, Warner um, music owns an enormous amount of music and in all they're moving all of their labels, Asylum, Atlantic, Electra, Rhino, Warner, Warner Chapel. They have over a million copyrights. They're now going to move to the fan powered royalty uh, pay model. Hmm, interesting. Cause I know SoundCloud, great platform, uh, but has always been viewed as a very limited platform. Right. Um, and primarily used for, DJ house techno type type style of music. So with Warner electronic music, yeah. Yeah, electronic music. So with Warner putting some money into this, is that what does that mean for the platform? Are they going to become I hate to use this term, but less clunky? Because they are kind of clunky. Yeah. Kind of clunky. Um are they going to put money into developing more of a user-friendly interface so when someone like myself or whomever goes on there it's easier to navigate it's easier to find stuff because let's hope well it, well if they're moving to this new model they obviously one believe in it and they're going to put their money where their mouth is and if they want their if they want to make money right which i'm sure that's one of the goals for warner music sure is they're going to have to make it a lot more user-friendly so that their fans can go and and participate in this new royalty pay model. So I would imagine that there would be some infrastructure improvements, and we could hope. I mean, I can't see them doing this and then not letting – and making it so hard for their their people to find their their musicians and their bands. I mean, it's got to be a lot easier, you know? Mm-hmm. So the jury's out on, on what the outcome is going to be, but I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. If this was going to be successful at all, this is a really a, a deviation from the way that songwriters and musicians and, and, and bands have been paid in America to this day. And so this is the first change in a pay model. Was it going to be successful or not? I don't know, but I think Warner thinks it's going to be successful. And if you got that kind of money behind you, then they're probably going to make it become successful. 
and do all the steps that they need for that to work. That's great. So really yeah. interesting. I hope it does become a viable alternative to the streaming services that are out there. So artists do start receiving money, respectable yeah. money for what yeah. they're doing and, and, and yeah. the music they're putting out there. Cause that's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, there would be no Spotify. There would be no Amazon music. There would be no Apple music. Um, without a songwriter well again it goes to forward-thinking artists right so when you have soundcloud and you see the payout that they're giving you on soundcloud versus spotify apple amazon whoever it is and you see that and you have a catalog of music and you're a big artist you're a paul mccartney you're bruce springsteen you're a beyonce you're whomever when is it going to be like, hey, you know what, Spotify, you're only paying me 15% of whatever, whatever the percentage is, 15% of a penny instead of 10% of a penny. But <laughs> SoundCloud is going to give me X amount of dollars. 40%. 40% of, yeah. of the revenue, not just of a penny, yeah. of the revenue. Yeah. It's a major change. It's a major change. And when are people going to say, like I talked about earlier, strength in numbers? Right. Say, hey, if we get all these artists to stop putting their music on Spotify, stop putting their music on these streaming services, people are going to go where the product is. So if Spotify right. doesn't have it, Apple doesn't have it, whoever, and SoundCloud does, that's going to be that's going to be the app to get. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know and, it, and it trickled down to all the young artists below them. Right. I, I mean, I'm an early proponent of supporting bands, and I've been supporting quite a few bands on Patreon for a long time. If they decide to, you know, go over to SoundCloud and and it has a lot of features on it, and I can buy tickets, and I can buy, and I'd love to have it all on the blockchain too. That'd be awesome. And, um, because Ticketmaster is a whole nother game. Oh my God. But if we could get tickets there, if we could get merch, if we could get, you know, special thing, I mean, it just makes sense. You know, I mean, if I was a young band right now, I would find the platform that works from the band, the fans, and where I could do everything. I could possibly do in one app, one platform, and I would migrate people away from Facebook and away and say, we're closing Facebook. You want to find us? We're over here. We will have a YouTube and we're going to have, you know, a SoundCloud mm-hmm. and, and, and just your fans will follow you. You know, you just, you can't, you know, spread yourself so thin. I mean, you really have to make decisions, monetary business decisions on what's going to be the best for you. Now, if there's a new service out, well, they're not new, but this is a new a way to pay people. It's the first of its kind. This is the first time that you're going to have an opportunity to make real money Yeah. Um, with your music. I mean, you have to stop and think, is it going to be a little bit of a, 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 you know, pain in the ass to get it all converted and switched? And yeah, probably. But there hasn't been an opportunity like this ever in the history of songwriting and publishing and music in America. This is the first time that they are moving away from the government telling you how much you can get paid. Interesting. 
you know? we got to keep track of this. We got to keep seeing what the results are and how these things develop, yeah. you know, Absolutely. From, from this with SoundCloud to bands in town and what's happening with Facebook to now. Cause I think all those things are important to rock music, to music in general. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm happy to be on your pod on the hook rocks with Jay Scott uh, to provide this information. And I hope that, um, your listening audience finds it helpful and, um, you know, go out there and do your research, everybody, because ain't nobody going to do it for you. Everybody out there is trying to make a buck off you. That's what they're trying to do. And you're trying to put gas in your van and get to the next gig. So really make decisions that benefit you guys and benefit your fans. Christy's also a great resource. So any new bands or artists that are out there that have questions or, you know, place to start. You can follow Christy on Twitter at Christy and Eagle, E-N-I-G-L, at Christy and Eagle, K-R-I-S-T-I, E-N-I-G-L. Uh, shoot her a DM, follow her. Uh, she's also, I think, on Facebook, too, as well. Right. You can follow her there. As, as, um, she's a great resource, and yeah. utilize it. If you have yeah. questions and you're trying to get your band set up on these things or trying to learn, um email me. I may be able to point you in the right direction too. If, if, um, you know, if, if Christy doesn't know the answer, I may know someone who does know the answer or Christy may know someone who knows the answer, you know, Absolutely. um, it is the true form of a community and that's what yeah. we are. The hook rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. So Absolutely. it, um, it's beneficial if you have questions to reach out or if you're hearing this, reach out to your team, your publicist, your management company, do yeah. they know about this stuff? Are they yeah. keeping track of this stuff? Who do they have on their team to help you through this, help you get through this? If you don't have a publicist yet, or if you don't have a management company, maybe reach out to Christy, maybe reach out to some bands that, you know, maybe doing something, communicate with each other, strengthen numbers. Yes. I'm telling you, that's the way to go. That's the only way you're going to be able to get some footing with these big companies, these big tech companies, these apps yeah. that, are, that are screwing you, that are just changing the game whenever they feel like. I mean, you said the word, they're apps, right? They're apps, it's technology. It's, and, and if you want your music and your careers to be run by algorithms and artificial intelligence, then just, you know, hit, you know, stay over on Facebook and what have you and IG. If you really want to propel your career forward, this is something that you've really got to tackle. You know, you really have to be aware of this moving forward. It moves at the speed of sound and no one person can keep track of everything, but you can really make an effort to be more informed because really you're working really hard. This is your life. This is your music, you know, and for tech billionaires who live in Sweden, to go buy another freaking yacht. I mean, that's what's happening. So think about what you want to do with your music career. Christy, as always, it's been a blast. It's been uh, informative. You always bring a lot to the table, and uh, that's why you are who you are, and that's why you're awesome. So thank okay, you. Thank you, for, thank you for having me, Jay. It's always a blast to be on your show. I love it. Thank you. Any, anytime, and don't wait so long next time. I know okay. I know you had a lot going on. Yeah. I had a lot going on. Yeah. And uh, we've been talking about you having you back on for like a month. And 
you're finally able to do it. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to, to, to come I'll back and sit in with us. I'll be back soon. Thank you, Jay. Awesome. Everyone, Christine Eagle, follower on Facebook, Christine Eagle, K-R-I-S-T-I-E-N-I-G-L. Same thing on Twitter. She's a great resource of knowledge of what's happening in the business. If you're a fan, if you're an artist, um, she's a great follow. So make sure you do that. I'm Jay Scott. Once again, this is The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 